Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. So excited to share today. As you mentioned, right now we're doing a short series on Jesus, our hope. Uh, last year, or last, last week, Hugh spoke on uh, why we need Jesus and why he was sent. He reminded us how we're in need of a Savior because of the fall of man, because of the sin that we all have. Um, and he walked us through some of the prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus uh, in his coming. We heard that because God loves and cherishes us, uh, that's the reason that Jesus was sent. Just like it says in Jeremiah 31.3, a verse that Hugh took us through last week, it says, The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. So it's because of his everlasting love and unfailing kindness that Jesus was sent and died for us. And for those of us who have put our faith in him, we can never be separated from him or from that love. So this morning, we'll be We'll be focused on uh, what we have today and every day because of Jesus. Traditionally in church at this time of year, we usually celebrate the sending and birth of Jesus. And then for a few months, we go back to our normal routines. And then in April, we, uh, we look to Jesus' death and resurrection with Easter. And it's, it's very good to be continually reminded of these two events every year. Uh, and they should be continually celebrated and on our minds but if you grew up in church as I did, um, or even if you grew up hearing the, the Christmas or Easter stories a lot, these stories can begin to, to blend with our holiday routines and traditions. Um, my dad's favorite Christmas movie is called The Christmas Story. And if you're not familiar with it, it's a, a movie from the 80s about a boy who wanted a, a toy BB gun for Christmas. And every year since I was a kid, there's one channel in particular that would play this movie for 24 hours from Christmas Eve throughout Christmas Day. And uh, so almost every year we would have the, the Christmas story playing in the background as we were going about our normal Christmas routines, uh, whether we are cooking, opening gifts, eating dinner. By the end of the day, we would have watched bits and pieces of the Christmas story. Um, and by the end of the day, we would have watched the entire movie, maybe not as a whole, but just in bits and pieces. And I think this is a good picture of what the good news of Christmas can become or has become to a lot of people in our, in our culture. Um, the nativity scene can become a traditional reminder that, that plays on repeat as we go about our normal Christmas traditions. Jesus can become just a character in our overall Christmas or holiday routines. And one obvious danger of this is that we can become numb to the good news of Christmas uh, we forget the significance of Jesus' coming. And another danger is that we begin to lose sight of the reasons we have to celebrate Jesus every day, not just on Christmas. Yes, we, we celebrate Jesus' coming to earth as a man during Christmas, um, but we should also celebrate every day because the very same Jesus is alive today and with us today. 
So now, with this in mind, I want us to walk us through a, a few of the reasons why we have to celebrate Jesus. Now that we have Jesus with us, what do we celebrate every day? And just to prepare you, I have a, a list of eight attributes um, of Jesus and, and what we have in him. And as, as you'll soon see, we'll, the list will be in a form of an acrostic, and the word chosen is Emmanuel. Um, I tried my best to fit the, the different attributes into the word Emmanuel, not only because I, I feel a compulsive need to organize the sermon, but also because, for uh, just to remind us, Emmanuel was the name used by Isaiah in Isaiah 7.14, and the, the meaning of the name Emmanuel is God with us. So I'm hopeful that the name meaning God with us will help us remember the reasons why we have to celebrate God with us now in Jesus. And I, I know it, eight sounds like a lot, but we're going to work through it pretty fast. So just to jump right in, our first reason to celebrate Jesus every day, Jesus is our essential deliverer. So to the Israelites in the Old Testament, the idea of a, a deliverer was a very familiar word. The Israelites, as we know, came from the line of Abraham uh, and were chosen as God's people by God. Uh, but more than once, the Israelites would, would find themselves captive to another nation. The most familiar of these instances was when the Israelites were captive to the Egyptians. And for generations, possibly up to 430 years, they served the Egyptians. And they still knew that they were God's people, but they very likely were without hope that they would ever be free from the Egyptians, right? But as we know, God sent Moses to deliver the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians into the promised land. But this wasn't the, the last time the Israelites were captured or were, were in need of a deliverer. The deliverance of Moses wasn't enough to save them forever. Other deliverers throughout Israel's history were sent by God to free them from their enemies. And though they were also given deliverance from them, it was always temporary. But in Jesus, we see a, a different kind of deliverer, a better deliverer. The deliverance of Jesus that Jesus provided was unexpected. And yes, there were prophecies, uh, like we went through last week, that Hugh mentioned. But the type of deliverance Jesus provided didn't resemble the deliverance of past deliverers. The Jewish leaders of Jesus' day expected someone who would free them from the Romans who were ruling over them at the time. But what they got instead was a, a more essential deliverer, one who wouldn't simply deliver them from the rule of a nation, but would deliver their souls from their own sinful nature. So Jesus came as a, a suffering servant, as prophesied in Isaiah 53. And, and with his death on the cross, he freed us from the eternal death and darkness we were destined for. And this is an incredible reason for us to celebrate Jesus every day. Jesus, as our deliverer, saved us eternally from the power of sin in our lives. He delivered us from separation from him. He, deliver us, he delivers us daily from our, our fears and temptations when we come to him. And Jesus, as our deliverer, will one day rescue us from a fallen world and bring us to a new heaven and a new earth. Where all, where all death and evil and sorrow will be vanquished forever. Just listen to what we have to look forward to in Revelation 21, and I think I have the verses up for this. 
It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the, on the throne said, I am making everything new. So let's just take a moment to rejoice in that truth this morning. Despite, of, despite all of our, our present struggles, each one of us who has put our faith in Jesus as our deliverer one day live in a new heaven and new earth where there will be no more suffering, no more sin and death. We will live eternally under the direct rule of our, our Savior, our God, who loves and cares for us. This is something to remind ourselves of every day. We really feel like this, this life is short, but it's even shorter when we compare it to the eternity we will spend with our Savior. So this is the, the first reason we have to rejoice in Jesus as our hope. Uh, Jesus is our essential redeemer. Second, Jesus is our merciful high priest. So for those of you who were with us last year when we did our series on the book of Hebrews, we spoke about this a lot because Hebrews addresses this a lot. Um, so just to briefly review, within the Old Testament, the role of a high priest was given through the law of Moses, as we know. The high priest would act as an intercessory on behalf of the Israelites to God. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, he would enter the Holy of Holies where God's presence was. And because of God's holiness and man's sinfulness, only the high priest was allowed into uh, the Holy of Holies once a year. And even then, he had to cleanse himself before he could enter. The high priest would make an animal sacrifice on behalf of his sin and the sin of the people. And it was within, within the sacrifice, the people found temporary forgiveness. And this process would then need to be repeated the following year and the year after that. Without the high priest and these sacrifices, the people would not have access to God because their sin separated them from God. And now, as we see in the, in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is our new and final high priest. Just as a traditional high priest would offer sin sacrifice for the Israelites to be forgiven, Jesus offered up himself as a final sacrifice that covers all of our guilt and sin. The earthly high priest needed to constantly make sacrifices to cover his own sin and the sin of the people, but Jesus as the perfect sacrifice does not need to be repeated and covers us for eternity. Just like the high priest would intercede on behalf of the people, Jesus intercedes on our behalf. And he does so with understanding and mercy, as it says in Hebrews 2.17. It says, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he, he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. So as we know, Jesus was fully human. He faced the same human pain, emotions, temptations as we do daily. Romans 8 notes how Jesus is seated on the throne at the right hand of God, 
and is continually interceding for us. And with this in mind, we can be confident that Jesus is an intercessor that understands our struggles and our needs. While the enemy, while the enemy continually points out our sins as our accuser, Jesus defends us before the Father with his sacrifice as justice for our sins. So there's a, a few things to celebrate with this point, right? First, even though we as humans are, are still inherently sinful, because of Jesus, those who have put their faith in him no longer need to rely on an earthly high priest to continually make sacrifices on our behalf like the Israelites did. Jesus provided one perfect and final sacrifice, which atones for all of our sins. Because of Jesus and his sacrifice, we can, all, we can also now enter freely into the presence of God. When Jesus was crucified, the curtain separating the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple was torn. And now through Jesus, we are purified of our sin and as a result reconciled with God. For those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we are, we are fully forgiven. No additional steps or rituals are required. No further cleansing. No middleman is needed. And lastly, our, our merciful high priest intercedes for us. He is a perfect intercessor who understands our struggles, temptations, because he was made fully human, just like us. So third, Jesus is our mighty refuge. Did any of you grow up uh, making pillow forts as a kid, like I did? Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, as a kid, I always felt like there was no safer place on the world than a pillow fort. Uh, it didn't matter who was chasing you. As long as you made it to the pillow fort, you were safe, right? Now, as adults, we're, we're still looking for the same safety and security, aren't we? But instead of pillow forts, we're looking to our, our jobs, our careers, our finances, our family for that kind of safety. But in reality, the things that we're looking to security for are just as unstable as the pillow forts that we had as kids. But there is, there is hope. The idea of real shelter and true safety, not two inches of foam safety, but real safety, can be found. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not, be, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its, at its swelling. We see examples of this all throughout the Bible. David was pursued by enemies. He was terrified for his life. But all throughout the Psalms, we see how he, he found refuge in God. And as a result, God gave him the peace and hope he needed during these times. The apostles, despite being persecuted and eventually martyred, made God their refuge, and in him they found hope and joy throughout their suffering. So when, when the world begins to fall apart, when, we're, when our earthly security begins to disappear, when we face a, a global pandemic, we don't need to despair. The very same God who created the stars, the mountains, every person who has ever existed, is the same God through Jesus who has adopted us into his family. We've been rescued from eternal darkness and separation by God into his safety and his salvation. 
he invites us to take our refuge, not in earthly securities that have the same stability of a pillow fort, but to take refuge in him. Fourth, Jesus is our attentive shepherd. Back in, uh, back in September, we took a look at John 10, where Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. So I encourage you to go back to listen to that sermon if you'd like a more detailed message on that. But um, just to review and, and to summarize, the life of a, a traditional shepherd was, was not an easy job. Not only did you have to protect the sheep from wild predators uh, or from thieves, but the shepherd also had to know and be attentive to each of his his sheep in order to succeed at his job. Sheep are animals that are full of diseases. They, they constantly wander. They can't find food on their own. They'll only eat what's in front of them. The responsibility of treating the diseased sheep, finding the sheep when they wander, leading the sheep to food and water, it all falls on the shepherd. And in John 10, Jesus refers to us, his people, as sheep. Just like sheep, because of our sin, we are diseased creatures who constantly wander and we cannot take care of ourselves. And Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. And he is the, the good, attentive shepherd who, who knows each of us and every one of his sheep. He cares for us and, and when we are in need. He finds us when we have wandered from his fold. He gives us all the provision and protection we will ever need. And he does this not begrudgingly like a, a normal shepherd might after caring for sheep for a while, but he does so out of love and, and compassion, joyfully, just like it says in, in Matthew 9. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So while he was on earth, Jesus demonstrated his love and compassion through his ministry. He had compassion on everyone who came to him in their need, even if they, they didn't come for the right reasons. Despite their past circumstances, Jesus had compassion on his people. And he has the same compassion for us today. So at the, at the end of the sermon on John 10, uh, I read this next quote, and I wanted to read it again because it, I think it accurately it actually summarizes why we should celebrate Jesus as our attentive shepherd. It was a quote written by a man who literally became a shepherd um, as a profession during the Great Depression, and uh, he, he writes about his experience comparing it to Psalm 23. He said, it is, it is no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. The behavior of sheep and human beings is similar in many ways. Yet despite these adverse characteristics, Christ chooses us buys us, calls us by name, and makes us his own, and delights in caring for us. So the fourth reason we should celebrate Jesus every day, he is our attentive shepherd. Fifth, in Jesus we have a necessary example. Recently, uh, Kalina and I noticed that the, the games that Island Elliot, our kids make up, are largely just our normal day-to-day -day lives acted out. They'll take turns pretending to go to work on imaginary computers. They'll pretend to cook dinner. 
Uh, one of their favorites is sending their toys or each other to time out. <laughs> so whether we like it or not, our kids are looking to us as an example of how to live, how to treat others, how to act. And as adults, we still look for examples in our own lives, right? We study, we study the lives of successful business people. Um, we watch and imitate the lives of celebrities. And I'm not saying that everything that these people do is wrong, but in the end, we're still following a human with the same fallen nature as us. By following the example of, of these people, or even following a, a Christian teacher or a church leader, we're still following someone who ultimately falls short in their own nature. But in Christ, we have a much-needed example of how we should live. Because Jesus lived a sinless life here on earth that was fully submitted to God, in him we have a perfect example of how we should live our lives. And just a few examples of this in, in the New Testament. In John 13, 15, Jesus finishes washing his disciples' feet and says to them, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus demonstrates through his example here and throughout his ministry how we are to serve those around us. We're to sacrifice for others in humility, valuing others higher than ourselves, building others up in the love of God. Another example, before his death, we see Jesus struggle in prayer. He knew the, the anguish that he would soon face in his crucifixion. The account in Matthew tells us that Jesus was extremely burdened and sorrowful uh, with what needed to be done. But even so, his prayer is, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And it's through this prayer we see clearly how submissive Jesus was to his Father. And by his example, he calls us to, to live with the same type of submission in obedience in our own lives, despite suffering. In 1 Peter 2, Peter addresses the suffering and persecution of Christians that could result from this submissive lifestyle. He says, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable for God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So just as Jesus did it is in reverent fear that we submit to God's will for our lives, even to the point of suffering. We're not seeking out the suffering, but we're, we're submitting to God, even if it means suffering. So these are just a few examples of, of what we can glean in our own lives. Um, it was the example that Jesus had in his life. So to summarize, we can celebrate Jesus as our necessary example because we don't need to worry or, or, or wonder or guess how we should live our lives. We can follow in his example. Next, and, the, and this one goes with the last point. In Jesus, we have an understanding counselor. In Isaiah 9-6, Isaiah gives a, a prophecy about the coming Messiah. And it's just like we've been singing the past couple weeks. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
And this name, Wonderful Counselor, speaks to Jesus' immense wisdom. The same word used here for, for wisdom in this verse is also used to describe King Solomon, who, who wrote the book of Proverbs. And some called him the wisest man to have ever lived. But even Solomon's wisdom is, is far surpassed by Jesus. Jesus is the one who 1 Corinthians one twenty four calls God's power and wisdom in human form. So with this in mind, not only do we have Jesus' example while on earth to live our lives by, but we also have access to the same wisdom through Jesus, our understanding counselor. Jesus already knows everything about us. He knows all of our struggles, all of our problems from the past, those that we'll face in the future. He knows exactly the best path for our future. Not only does he know all things or what's best for us, he, always, he is always available for us to come to him with our questions, our struggles, our worries. Isn't that amazing? Just think about the, the wisest person who's still alive today. They could be somebody in business or whatever. You and I could probably reach out to them and ask to have a conversation with them, and we probably wouldn't hear back unless we pay them a certain amount of money or something. But the very same God who created this person is available to meet with us at any time. And not only do we have access to him, but, but he cares about us and he understands everything about us. When we come to him with our, our needs and our worries, he meets us and, and by his word and his spirit, he gives us the exact counsel and power that we need. So I, w- I want to encourage you this morning, if any of you are going through a rough season now or in the future, you don't need to struggle alone. You have a, a perfect understanding counselor available who desires to meet with you at any moment. Seventh, Jesus is our ever-present friend. There's a, a Greek philosopher who his name was uh, Euripides, I think that's how you say it. He once said, one loyal friend is worth 10,000 relatives. And I don't endorse that quote by any means. <laughs> it's not a very good quote. But I think it does emphasize the, the, uh, the value that we put in friendships in our culture as humans. But friendships can be difficult. As, as life changes, so do our interests. The time that we can commit to certain friendship changes. So when we hear Jesus is our friend, it's hard to uh, hard not to associate his friendship with the imperfect, sometimes damaged friendships that we have experienced throughout our lives. But Jesus makes it clear what we can expect from his friendship. In John fifteen fifteen, Jesus is speaking to his disciples when he says, "No longer do I call you servants." For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So this, this verse speaks to the immense privilege it is to be called Jesus' friend. It would be a privilege in itself to be called a, a servant of Jesus, but he elevates us to the, the place of friend. By, by making this contrast between servant and friend, Jesus is letting us know how we can approach him. One author notes this. 
A servant only comes when there's something to do, but a friend is welcome anytime. A servant is told what to do, but a friend is told why. A servant will bring food to the table, but a friend eats it with you. When Jesus gives the contrast, he, he wants us to see that he desires us. He makes it known that though he is, he is our king and Lord, not only can we approach him freely, but he desires to be with us. He doesn't desire us to be his friend of, uh, because of what we can offer, because of, of what we have, or because of who we are. He doesn't grow tired of us. He never, he'll never leave, and he doesn't hold back. Just before the verse we read earlier in John 15, Jesus said to his disciples, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that is the same love he demonstrated for us in his friendship with us. Lastly, eighth, Jesus is our Lord of Lords. And this one is the foundation for the other items on the list. Actually, we shouldn't believe any of the other, other items on the list unless we believe this one. If Jesus isn't Lord of Lords to us, his friendship doesn't mean as much as we said. His wisdom would be limited. We would not truly be safe making him our refuge. But to say that Jesus, Jesus is Lord of Lords is to acknowledge that all people, all nations, everything belongs to him. To believe that all power and authority belong to him because he is the firstborn over all creation. Just like it says in Colossians 1. I should have these verses up there too. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So there's, there's nothing on this earth, no person or nation, that Jesus does not have ultimate authority over. There's no star or galaxy far, far away that wasn't created through him or for him. He is supreme over everything. So when we, when we re revisit the list that we just went through of who Jesus is to us after acknowledging this passage, we should be blown away. The firstborn of all creation, whom everything was created by and through, he is our deliverer. He is our high priest and our refuge. The same Jesus who the angels and every living creature will one day say, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. That is the same Jesus who offers us his counsel, who calls us his friend. So just to summarize and, and to bring things to a close, let's be reminded this morning that we have reasons to celebrate Jesus every day at all times of year. He is our essential deliverer. Though we didn't deserve it, 
Jesus has redeemed us from our sin and given us eternal hope in our future with him. He is our merciful high priest. By sacrificing himself, he atoned for all of our sins, reuniting us with the Father and acting as our inter- intercessory. He is our refuge in times of trouble. He is our attentive shepherd who knows exactly what we need. He lovingly cares for it. He lovingly and joyfully cares for us. He possesses all wisdom and freely offers counsel to us whenever we seek him. He calls us his friend. He desires us and will never leave us. And lastly, he is Lord of Lords. So I want to encourage you, if you, you can take a picture of this list if you want. I'm not saying it encompasses all of the reasons why we have to celebrate Jesus, but hopefully it, it can remind us throughout this next year, whatever we face, that we have hope in Jesus every day. So within the next weeks and months and next year, uh, we don't know what's ahead, but I want to encourage each of us, including myself, to keep these truths close to your mind and to your heart. Whenever you feel guilty this next year, bring your confession to your merciful high priest. When you're scared, run to your mighty refuge. When you're feeling discouraged or when you're lonely, remember you have an understanding counselor and an ever-present friend in Jesus. Can we pray now? God, we thank you for all of these things. Thank you that you are Lord of all and you still call yourself our friend, our refuge, our mighty counselor. Thank you that we can, for all the hope that we can find in you, for everything that you offer us, even though we are not deserving. Lord, as we enter this new year, we pray that you would continually remind us of these things that we would celebrate you every day of this next year, that you would be lifted up in our lives, in our hearts. Pray that you would help us to be a light to those around us who don't know you as, as their deliverer, as their high priest. Just thank you, Lord, for all these things. In your name we pray. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.